0: Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome in to another edition of The Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, I share my award winners for the 2018 NFL season. I give my picks for MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and so much more. Keep it right here to listen to a podcast version of the NFL honors. The fall is another production of the Chase Podcast, covering the latest news and analysis around the National Football League. Turn the volume up. The Chase is on and the chase is live. Now let's take your volume. Said down. Good afternoon, football fans, and welcome in to another episode here of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs coming to you live on Wednesday, January 30th. This is a midweek edition, so I appreciate you taking the time to listen into today's content. Now I understand it is Super Bowl week, as we can tell the coverage on NFL Network on ESPN, really on all sports networks, it's really off the rocker as far as live interviews and live shots from reporters on the scene at both the Rams and the Patriots headquarters. But I figured I'd incorporate a fun segment Because on Saturday night, on Super Bowl Eve, we have our 8th annual NFL Honors Award show. February 2nd, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS. Steve Harvey will be the host. And that is where all the big time awards are announced. And it's really a cool event. I really like that the NFL started doing this show every single year because it's a great time to praise and reflect on some of these incredible players this year. And this is where the MVP is announced, head coach of the year, executive of the year. And I know there's been a lot of debate as to which rookie deserves the offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. And so it really is an intriguing time because we finally get to put all of these discussions to bed once these awards are officially handed out to the players, coaches, executives. And so I want to do my own edition of NFL honors right here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. Because I know on Friday, I'm going to dig into a deep Super Bowl 53 preview with NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. So do not worry. I got you covered as far as what you need to know ahead of Super Bowl Sunday. So I want to get into it here. So let me go ahead and start with the defensive assistant coach of the year. And then I will work my way all the way up to MVP just to keep you all hanging a little bit, you know, a little bit of a teaser. So here we go. My pick for Defensive Assistant Coach of the Year, I'm going to give it to former Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio and current Broncos head coach as he was hired earlier this offseason. The Chicago Bears were loaded with playmakers on defense. And, of course, going all the way back to before the regular season began, GM Ryan Pace pulled off a stunning trade. Acquiring Khalil Mack that just sent the entire league buzzing. Players chattering about how significant of a trade this was for Chicago. Giving up multiple first round picks. They landed their guy. But man, let me tell you what. Vic Vangio deserves a ton of credit. I understand there's a couple of other candidates out there. Including Ravens defensive coordinator Don Martindale. ...for the play of his defense, but I feel like it's been too long since Vangio, who's been in the NFL for a long time, he's built up a strong resume, he deserves his due, and I'm so happy to see him get an opportunity to become a head coach in this league, it's well overdue, but talking about this Chicago defense, they were third in the NFL, allowing 299.7 yards per game, They also had 27 interceptions this season, which led the league. They were middle of the road for fumble recoveries, but it added up to 36 takeaways, which was the most in the NFL by a margin of five. And as a whole, the NFL averaged 21.75 turnovers this season. Vangio certainly parlayed that success into getting that head coaching gig with the Denver Broncos. His work in the secondary with Kyle Fuller, Prince Amukamara, and resurrecting his career, and then the ball-hawking safety, Eddie Jackson, the defensive front led by Mac Leonard Floyd, Akeem Hicks, Danny Trevathan, Roquan Smith. I mean, I get it, right? You can sit there and tell me, He's got all the talent. What are you talking about? It's not really Vangio in their success. But I'll tell you what, coaching is the difference in the NFL. And if it wasn't for his schemes and for keeping his players all on the same page and holding them accountable to their mistakes, this defense would have not achieved this success in 2018. So Vangio is My pick for Defensive Assistant Coach of the Year. Now let's go to the offensive side of the ball for offensive assistant. I'm giving it to Browns, former offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, and current head coach. Now I get it. There's a lot of critics about Kitchens taking over as the head coach there in Cleveland. A lot of people feel like John Dorsey jumped the gun a little bit and gave this guy... A little bit too large of a platform on such a small sample size. But let me tell you why he deserves the assistant of the year and how he's deserved this head coaching job with the Browns. So going all the way back to last offseason, Kitchens, he started the season as their running backs coach, but his fortunes ended up turning midway through the season because when Hugh Jackson and offensive coordinator Todd Haley were fired. The Browns and rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield' season took off. So let me go ahead and read these stats of Mayfield to you when Jackson and Haley were employed by the Browns, okay? So Mayfield completed 130 of 223 passes. For 1,471 yards with an 11.3 yards per completion. Eight touchdowns and six interceptions to go along with 15 carries for 91 yards in six games. Okay, this is under Jackson and Haley. Now, once those two were gone and Kitchens was elevated, Mayfield improved drastically as he completed 180 of his 263 passes. So more efficient. For 2,254 yards with a 12.5 yards per completion rate. So that is up as well. 19 touchdowns and 8 interceptions as well as 24 carries for 40 yards and 8 games under Kitchen's direction. And of course, Greg Williams was the interim head coach. Cleveland's offense scored 21.7 points per game in the six games with the combo of Jackson, Haley, and Mayfield. They averaged 23.75 points per game in the Kitchens Mayfield era. The stats are out there. Nick Chubb's numbers surged as well when Kitchens took over. He brought new flavor to this offense. They were firing on all cylinders, and they were a dangerous team to play at the end of the season. I understand the concern about how people would have liked to see him become a full-time offensive coordinator before giving him such a large, significant role, but I feel like this guy has all the intangibles. He has the respect of the locker room. This is why he should be the offensive assistant of the year now let's go to special teams player of the year i'm going to give it to a fan favorite jets wide receiver andre roberts now the nfl has done a lot to remove returns from the game for safety purposes but roberts has done his part to impact games Roberts was recognized with the Pro Bowl selection this season. The journeyman, he had 23 punt returns for 324 yards, which was good for a 14.1 yards per punt average and a touchdown. He also had 40 kick returns for 1,174 yards, which had a 29.35 yards per kick return average and a touchdown. It was a productive season for the 31-year-old from the Citadel. This guy is a consistent force year in and year out, regardless of the team he's playing for, because I know he's played for quite a bit of teams up to this point in his career. And I understand the Jets' season was underwhelming. A rookie quarterback there was Sam Darnold. Todd Bowles was fired. So it was a down season for New York, which is why nobody really paid much attention to the job Roberts did, but I'm going to highlight his play and his contributions in my award show, which I think he should really win this award on Saturday night as the special teams player of the year. Now let's work our way up to offensive player of the year. Now this award is given to a non quarterback that has been a huge part of their team success. And I'm going to give it to Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, let's face it, we've seen this Dallas team in previous seasons when Elliott is not on the field and it's just Dak Prescott. They look anemic without 21 on the field. The usage rate for Elliott, toting the ball 24, 25 times per game. Also being involved in the pass game this year He led the NFL in rushing with 1,434 yards on 304 carries with a 4.7 yards per carry average and 6 touchdowns. Now, he had 15 starts under his belt as he was held out of the Week 16 regular season finale for rest. He caught a career-high 77 passes for 567 yards and 3 touchdowns. He once again proved to be a vital part of Dallas' offense this year. Of course, the Cowboys made it to the divisional round. They ended up losing to the Rams where he was shut down for much of the evening. But looking at the production and what he was able to accomplish during the season For a young Dallas team, he's also emerged as more of a leader in the locker room. This guy is a significant piece to what the Cowboys want to accomplish moving forward. And for me, him winning the rushing crown justifies and solidifies his case as the Offensive Player of the Year. Now to the Defensive Player of the Year award this one is a no-brainer it's rams defensive tackle aaron donald he's currently prepping to play in super bowl 53 against the new england patriots the trophy case is getting crowded for aaron donald each year this guy is a one-man wrecking crew after a decorated collegiate career at pittsburgh he's been named to AP defensive player of the year, NFL rookie of the year, and has been selected to the Pro Bowl in each of his 5 seasons. Talk about being dominant and being on top of the league every time he steps foot out on the gridiron. Now this year Donald fell just short of the NFL record for sacks in a single season with 22 and a half That had been set by New York Giants defensive end Michael Strahan in 2001. Seems like a long time ago, and really, it's because it has. But Donald still managed to finish the 2018 campaign with 59 tackles, 20 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. I had my weekly segment of high flyer, top denier, and under fire. And it just seems like every single week, I could have chosen Donald as my top denier just because the guy was always in the backfield generating quarterback hurries, blowing up plays in the backfield. And here's the funny thing is he had a teammate and a running partner this year with Endomic and Sue who took a couple of double teams away from him. But for those people who say, well, Donald had 20 and a half sacks primarily because of Sue. No, you look at Donald and what he's been able to do since he entered the league. This guy just continues to improve his numbers in 2017, 11 sacks, 2016, 8 sacks, 2015, 11 sacks. His rookie season, he had 9 sacks, and so now he just exploded. He got the big contract he wanted last offseason, and he rewarded the Rams brass for taking care of him. And he's a big reason as to why they are playing for the Lombardi Trophy This weekend. Now, on to comeback player of the year. Another easy pick for me. While JJ Watt has been in discussion for this award, it belongs to Colts quarterback Andrew Luck. The Stanford product had not played in an NFL game since week 17 of the 2016 regular season for having missed the entire 2017 campaign. Luck did not look like he had missed a step. The former number one overall selection completed 430 of 639 passes, which was 67.3% completion rate for 4,593 yards, 39 touchdowns, and 15 interceptions. For a player coming off a shoulder injury and a lot of NFL executives and media members were questioning his arm strength. I mean, Frank Reich and GM Chris Ballard had to sit up there. It seemed like every time they visited with the media and they were asked, are there any concerns with Luck's shoulder strength? Do you think it's going to be a long-term issue moving forward with him coming off this serious operation? But he silenced all the critics this season and helped lead this Colts team to a playoff berth and a trip to the divisional round to face the Kansas City Chiefs, being on the youngest NFL team this year, playing with an offense that, yes, you have T.Y. Hilton and the emergence of Eric Ebron and a solidified offensive line, but he doesn't have... The same caliber of weapons that many of these other top quarterbacks have. You look at Breeze, Michael Thomas, Kamara, Ingram, Brady, Hogan, Edelman, Gronkowski, Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith, Schuster, Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Antonio Gates, Tyrell Williams. But luck, I mean, outside of Hilton and Ebron, this guy really made this offense on his own by giving Chester Rogers looks, by giving Zach Pascal looks. Jack Doyle was hurt for most of the season. And yes, his offensive line kept him upright as he was sacked the least amount of times in the NFL this season. But give Luck his credit, and he deserves this award for putting on a clinic in 2018. Now for the Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm giving it to Giants running back Saquon Barkley. Barkley became one of three running backs in NFL history to top the 2,000-yard mark in his rookie season. He compiled 1,307 rush yards on 261 carries with a 5.0 yards per carry average, 11 touchdowns. Barkley joined a rare breed of talented NFL running backs that includes Eric Dickerson, and Edron James. Even more impressive, Barkley's 2,000-plus scrimmage yards in his rookie season came on a 5-11 team. Eric Dickerson did it with a 9-7 team in 1983, and James did it with a 13-3 squad in 1999. Barkley was targeted a whopping 114 times and reeled in 91 of those for receptions. According to Pro Football Focus, Barkley was only credited for five drop passes all season long. He turned in an elite drop rate relative to his competition, rookie and non-rookies, but it was his fumble rate that really stood out. Barkley did not drop the ball. He was a sure runner after contact. Some of the runs he put together, making defenders miss out in space with his rare combination of speed, athleticism, Power, balance, shiftiness. Barkley is a special player, and he certainly should be rewarded with this award. Now, Defensive Rookie of the Year. It's Colts outside linebacker Darius Leonard. Leonard put South Carolina State on the map. He was the 36th overall pick of the 2018 NFL Draft. Now, Leonard was snubbed from this year's Pro Bowl but I do not believe he'll be robbed of missing out on this milestone. When the dust had settled, Leonard had produced more during the regular season than any other defensive player. He led the league in tackles with 163. He added seven sacks to his name, four forced fumbles, two interceptions, eight pass deflections, and two fumble recoveries. It was an incredible season for the NFL Rookie of the Year finalist. And get this, after the conference championship games, Leonard still led all postseason participants in tackles despite playing in one less game. This guy is a machine, and he was all over the field playing sideline to sideline, and I thought it was interesting because when he was drafted to the Colts, they asked him what his goals were for the 2018 season, and he vividly stood there and said, I'm going to win a starting job, and I'm going to keep the starting job. So this was a guy who entered the NFL knowing fully well what it was going to take to not only crack the starting lineup, But to continue producing to keep himself on the field for this Colts defense under Matt Eberflus, Darius Leonard was a handful for offenses to game plan against. And I am excited about the player he's going to continue to evolve in as his young career continues to unfold. Now... For the big awards, how about Rookie of the Year? Now, this is one that has been debated back and forth between two primary candidates, Baker Mayfield or Saquon Barkley, but I'm giving it to Baker Mayfield, the Oklahoma product who went number one overall, won NFL Rookie of the Week seven times and was named NFL Rookie of the Month for November Over the course of the season, Mayfield completed 310 of his 486 passes for 3,725 yards, 27 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions, in addition to running 39 times for 131 yards. Listen, people, Mayfield was not dinking and dunking this season. He had the second-highest big-time throw rate, according to Pro Football Focus Mayfield broke a single-season rookie passing touchdown record of 27 touchdowns previously set by Peyton Manning in 1998 and Russell Wilson in 2012 despite starting in three fewer games. So let that sink in. Mayfield threw at least one touchdown in each of his 13 starts. It is the third longest streak in NFL history. He trails only Kurt Warner, 23 from the 1999 season, and Minnesota's Brad Johnson, a streak of 15 from 1996 to 1997. What he was able to do through a coaching change midseason and then going back to his NFL debut in the regular season when he replaces the injured Tyrod Taylor on Thursday night football against the Jets. And gets Cleveland that victory after a long year and a half without one. And that's where the Baker Mayfield era began. And this guy, there's something about his charisma, his leadership the momentum he provides to his team. That chip-on-the-shoulder mentality he possesses. He is a dynamic player. And John Dorsey, who was scrutinized for taking an undersized quarterback, number one overall, with Sam Darnold on the board. It certainly looks like he made the right decision after just one season there in Cleveland. So Baker Mayfield, he is very deserving of of the Rookie of the Year Award. Now a couple more for you to close out my NFL honors. And the next one is Executive of the Year. I'm going to hand it to Colts GM Chris Ballard. The Colts were 4-12, sitting at the bottom of the AFC South in 2017. By year's end in 2018, Indianapolis had secured a playoff berth and a 10-6 record. It was really remarkable improvement for a GM that had to rebound after being spurned by Josh McDaniels last offseason. And then he had to reset their coaching search when he faced the media after that whole McDaniels circus. He reaffirmed the team reporters and the fan base that he was going to go out and identify and hire the best candidate at the time. And he hit a home run with Frank Reich. He made big time free agent acquisitions in the form of tight end Eric Ebron and cornerback Pierre Desirer who are two former top draft selections that really had underwhelmed up to that point in their career. But Ballard saw their talent. He saw their measurables. He said, these guys can help us this year. And both of those guys ended up playing big time roles for their playoff push. Ballard also strengthened his argument with the selection of offensive guard Quentin Nelson in the first round. A lot of people were a little bit uncertain about his decision to draft an offensive guard that high in the draft. And then, of course, taking Darius Leonard in the second round, an outside linebacker prospect that flew under the radar. And some people were even mocking the Colts for taking a player from South Carolina State that high in the draft. And you also look at this draft class with Kamiko Turi, Naheem Hines. I mean, Ballard completely hit on all these top picks for Indianapolis. And he assembled a team that had the youngest roster in the NFL this season. The writing is on the wall, folks. Ballard is the executive of the year, hands down. Ballard is a gem and Indianapolis should be very grateful to have him running their organization Now for the head coach of the year, I'm giving it to Bears head coach Matt Nagy. I know Frank Reich is a strong candidate for this award just based on that 1-5 in start and how they were able to flip the script. But Nagy, what he was able to do in his first season there in the Windy City, the Bears had been reeling the last couple of years. And in his first season with the franchise, He took a 5-11 team from a year ago and flipped the script to a 12-4 season entering the year. Nobody expected, including myself, the Bears to win this division. Just considering the affinities for the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. You looked at Minnesota and their star-studded roster and they added Sheldon Richardson Georgia Loca, after he was cut by Cincinnati, Kirk Cousins giving him that three year fully guaranteed contract. A lot of people thought that this was the year the Vikings were going to get to the Super Bowl. And then you looked at Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, you can never discount. Green Bay with number 12 when he's fully healthy, he was returning from that broken collarbone. And so for me, I know I had Minnesota and Green Bay finishing 1-2 and two in the NFC North. And the Bears, I noted that they were going to have a young roster and a chance to maybe push for a wild card spot. But that was really on the outside looking in. But they proved a lot of people wrong. Mitchell Trubisky looked more like the player that he was expected to be when the Bears selected him second overall back in 2017. And that had to do with Matt Nagy and the way he's able to work with these quarterbacks. Coming from Andy Reid's coaching tree there in Kansas City, Nagy was masterful in offense, incorporating new plays that kept defenses off balance. And in the end, they went from last to first in the course of one offseason season. With him at the helm, you could tell both offense and defensive players bought into his philosophy early. And for those reasons, Nagy deserves to be the head coach of the year. Now they lost in the playoffs and wildcard round to the Philadelphia Eagles. But just the thought of them Winning the division and hosting a playoff game there at Soldier Field bodes well for the future of this team moving forward, especially with such a dominant defense to complement their surging offense. Now the award that we've all been waiting for, the talk of the season, the MVP. It's really been a race between Drew Brees and Patrick Mahomes, and then there's a point Where Phillip Rivers had also put himself in the mix. But it was a two-horse race for much of the campaign. And I'm going to pick Patrick Mahomes as my most valuable player. Look, the Chiefs season came to an end at Arrowhead in the AFC Championship. But it did not impact Mahomes' legacy this season. The 23-year-old... Had an incredible season with many memorable moments. Fans were dazzled. Players were shook. Coaches were baffled at his throws and his arm talent, his odd arm angles. The former number 10 overall selection completed 383 of 590 passes, which was good for 66% completion rate for 5,097 yards. 50 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. Mahomes finished second in passing yards but had the most passing touchdowns. The next highest was Andrew Luck who threw for 39 scores. And what Mahomes was able to do for Kansas City and what many thought would be a letdown season after trading Alex Smith, GM Brett Veach, and Andy Reid They bought into Mahomes by getting rid of a veteran quarterback and saying, hey, this is your team. We trust your leadership. We trust your talent. This was an offense that already had Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, but I don't think a lot of us understood how explosive of a unit they were going to be with Patrick Mahomes. There was some concern about his high interception rate during training camp, during offseason workouts. And then, of course, he went back to that long-standing discussion about how Big 12 quarterbacks are not successful in the NFL because the offenses they run, they're all timed routes. So you got all these talking heads questioning Patrick Mahomes But this guy is just unique in the way he comes out. He is confident. He never looks like the moment is too big for him. Making his playoffs debut this year. Going up against Andrew Luck and then Tom Brady in the conference title game. His resume speaks for itself he should be the MVP. He went on the road to Denver into several hostile environments, even playing the Chargers in that tough defense. The Baltimore Ravens at home making plays in and outside of the pocket, putting 50-yard passes on target. I mean, this guy did it all in 2018. And for me, he should be crowned MVP following Saturday's NFL Honors Show. So there you have it. There's my award show here on the Pro Football Chase Podcast. Again, I thank you for listening in, and I'm sure you have your own picks. So, hey, feel free to direct message me after you listen to my podcast. Give me your MVP, Head Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year. I'd love to chat with you and pick your brain as to why you think certain players deserve awards over the ones that i have listed i will be back here on friday as i talked about to preview the big game all the facts all the stats Jarrell worthy should be good to join me we'll give you an in-depth analysis and break down some one-on-one matchups that could dictate the outcome of sunday's game but until then take care and god bless